Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Rob Warner, joined by Sun Devil Source reporters Kalen Jones, Max Madden, Fabian Ardaya, and as always, site publisher Chris Cartman. How's it going, everybody? Good. We're kicking it. Holla. <laughs> there you go. From from the boss man, Chris. And if you guys want, we just uh, we just recorded um, uh, a football premium podcast talking about the ASU defensive coaching hires mostly and going in-depth about ASU recruiting, the state of Herm Edwards hires, all of that. You guys can check it out on the website, on iTunes, uh, on SoundCloud as well. Um, but this podcast, sixth podcast of 2018, it's going to be for basketball. Already? Already. Let's get to let's get right into it, guys. Um, so ASU on Thursday night, January 11th, uh, played Oregon at home. Amazing atmosphere. You had James Harden, Devin Booker, Governor Ducey all in attendance. The biggest crowd at Wells Fargo since 2010. 13,693 fans. Just a raucous environment. And uh, ASU lost 76-72. Um, it was uh, it was a little bit tough. It seemed like for the Sun Devils to get out of there with a loss on that night. Well, you guys can you guys can check out my article at sundevilsource.com from uh, <laughs> from a few from a few days ago, sort oh of shameless. talking about uh, the environment and, and Wells Fargo. But then again, as you mentioned, the, you know, nine four two crew with you know, almost thirty five hundred kids there. I mean, that was I think the biggest takeaway for me, just sitting in press row, looking over to the left. I mean, that was a huge wall, and you know, just the whole atmosphere really did rival some of the best in the country. And I think it was. I don't know if it was too much pressure or, or what, but they really sort of, you know, ASU kind of flopped down the stretch. A few of their key performers didn't show up. And uh, what was really fun at the beginning for a lot of ASU fans and James Harden and all that sort of just was a nightmare at the end. I think the offense just floundered, honestly, when it comes to facing the zone. I think yeah. that part of it is just, I think they're bound for some shooting performances like this. They're bound for some offensive performances like this. 72 points is their lowest scoring output of the season. Yeah. That's... Not a bad low scoring output, but if you're trying to target around 75 to 80 at least per game to at least have a chance to win, it's a problem. Especially down the stretch where uh, I think it was Shan Evans missed a free throw, Cody Justice missed a late free throw. Trey Holder missed a free throw in there too. So situations like that, I think they struggled facing a zone. They couldn't shoot their way out of it. They couldn't really, they struggled to find the sweet spot against that Oregon zone. And they really were never able to unlock it. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. you sort of saw... You saw this throughout the weekend. They would get frustrated and start to settle for outside shots, mm-hmm. which is something that ASU hadn't done the entire non-conference play. They would have been all about, all right, what's the most efficient shot? What's the open shot? Let's not force anything. And they were, they were forcing quite a bit. And I think while they do at times have a lot of players who can make difficult shots, Shane Evans, Trey Holder, they can make difficult off-balance shots, relying your entire offense on those isn't going to be successful Especially not in conference play. Yeah, no, you nailed it, Fabian. I mean, they weren't able to shoot themselves, you know, out of, you know, the the hole that they dug themselves into. When they got that that lead that evaporated right before halftime, when the fact that they weren't able to, you know, sort of as Bobby mentioned after the game, to, you know, uh, initiate one of their patented little spurts that they kind of go on, they just weren't able to find the range for one, and then two. They're still trying to. You can tell that they're still trying to figure out how to incorporate Kamani Lawrence back into the lineup. That's been a big, you know, missing key. I think in the middle of these shooting slumps, I think having someone like him at least be acclimated to the offense. I think they're really missing his presence because we saw during preseason play when Shannon Evans or Trey Holder weren't at their peak, Kamani Lawrence was going off, and they really they're really missing his significant play right now. And then Romello White, he's really struggled throughout Pac-12 play. He's definitely got to improve his hands. That's something that we, we've mentioned multiple times, you know, off air. 
But um, until he picks it up and then you have that in tandem with the poor shooting of ASU's guards, it's just not going to be able to come together, especially when they get frustrated with zone defenses. Well, that's the whole key right there, Kalen, is ASU hasn't handled zone defenses as well. And and opponents have seen what other teams have done to ASU. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they've put their own creative spin on on how they uh, like to run their own zones. And ASU's played a different type of defense in almost every Pac-12 game this season. You had we've talked about this before, but you had the the Arizona runs a really uh, impressive pack line man defense where they really kind of jam up the paint and they prevent you from getting second chance opportunities and, and good interior looks at the basket. And then they played at Colorado, which ran sort of your garden variety 2-3 zone, but ASU didn't mm-hmm. do a very good job of attacking it. Uh, and then uh, and, and Bobby Hurley admitted it, that they had a bad strategy probably for that, And then, which shouldn't be the case, by the way, when it's a sort of a generic 2-3 zone. But mm-hmm. then Utah ran a 1-3-1 zone, and you have to attack that differently than a 2-3 zone. Right. And then you go to Oregon, uh, Dana Altman – is a phenomenal coach on the defensive side of the ball and does a really great job of figuring out how to uh, force teams to have extended possessions. So they re- they run this one two two three quarter court three quarter court uh, zone that then sort of backs into a matchup zone. And uh, what we've seen from ASU is a lot fewer field goals attempts yep. per game as a percentage. And therefore, it's sort of stunting their offensive ability. And what you're and what you're seeing is Bobby Hurley even acknowledged it. He basically said guys have to not be affected by the type of defense that that we're seeing. He said that specifically uh, in response to a question about Shannon Evans mm-hmm. and and how ASU is attacking the zone. So um, I think a lot of it's a mindset. And then there's also. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is Hurdley's of such an intense figure and his players manifest that right and that intensity that sort of unbridled energy Uh is a contrast to having the wherewithal and strategy of how you attack a zone and and so it almost requires a totally different sort of mentality and Mm -hmm. approach and they don't have that yet. What they have is we know how to go fast and do this and beat you really easily. But when you make us play a different way that we don't really want to play, that affects us in, in a mental way. And this is what they're going to see throughout. Now, they, they probably had the hardest schedule start of anybody in the Pac-12 at Arizona, at the Mountain West schools. Uh, Oregon is a good team, mm-hmm. Final Four last year at home, Oregon State, right? So Cal's not very good. They're going to go on the road. Stanford is is an upstart team and doing a lot better this year. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Also a veteran mm-hmm. group um, on Wednesday, tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I'm curious to see, though, what happens with more and more reps against these right. zone defenses. I feel like, if anything, ASU tried to almost overcompensate with its aggressiveness because I, I was watching the Pac-12 Network broadcast, especially against Oregon State, where Hurley was saying, basically, any chance you get on the break, go. go. Just yeah. go. And I think that sometimes it led to some sloppy play. It, it yeah. You're trying to force situations. Guys like Mickey Mitchell were trying to go coast to coast, barreling through people and trying to draw contact, and they haven't. Been, they don't get the call, miss the shot, or they'll have a guy open, they'll whip the pass too hard because they're trying to force things and make things happen. I think you're starting to see 
that impacting this ASU team, especially offensively. They're trying to force any chance they well, get. Well, let's build off that because um, I think it's an important point. And even Bobby Hurley has said when asked about these things that he wants the team to even press harder. Yep. Mm-hmm. Push the he, he's talked about uh, we need to practice more intensely, more physically. We need to prepare ourselves for that, right? It's not – I'm not saying that they're not doing this, but the articulation of it is not we need to be more cerebral. Mm-hmm. We, we need to be more composed. We need, we need to be more strategic, right? Those aren't the things that you're hearing right. said – but those are the things that you actually need to have to do a better job against those types of defenses. <laughs> so, so, so that to me is like there's a disconnect there almost, and how that sort of um, uh, evolves as the season progresses is what's ultimately going to determine how well that they end up doing. And that was their downfall when you look at last season too. The fact that, and you look at the depth and talent, I guess or lack thereof last season, the fact that they had to shoot themselves in the games. Now Mm -hmm. they're trying to shoot themselves in the victories. And really until you get improved post-play or you, you know, add that versatile next step, because we talked about during non-conference play, how well Romel White was playing, Mm -hmm. how Mickey Mitchell added something different, like a different element to the offense in terms of wing play. They don't have that right now against these Pac-12 opponents and particularly against the zone. So you're seeing ASU kind of revert to old habits in, in terms of trying to shoot themselves out of, you know, different um, holes that they buried themselves into. But well, I, I don't know if it's possible that they find a way until you see Romello White or Kamali Lawrence improve. And you guys have both talked about, or all of us really have talked about on this podcast already, talking about how you need to, they need to be getting more shots. And Chris mentioned that uh, just a second ago. And Oregon shot the ball 65 times. On Thursday night, mm-hmm. anybody have an idea how many times Arizona State shot the ball? 46. 46 <laughs> times. That's 19 <laughs> shots different. Um, the points in the paint uh, is just outstanding, outstandingly different. 38 by Oregon, 16 by ASU. ASU had eight bench points that night. Uh, Oregon had 22. It's just numbers like that are not going to help this team, especially when you know Trey Holder or Shannon Evans aren't shooting the ball extremely well. No, they, they resolved that against Oregon State to a large degree, right. especially yeah. in the second half uh, with their bench uh, production from Daquan yeah. Lake. Kamani Lawrence, even though he didn't really hit the stat sheet all that hard, mm-hmm. had had good minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the bench had 27 points. The best that he's looked. Yeah. And, they, you know, and, and, and he's had some bad luck and some things that haven't gone that gone great for him. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to be fine, obviously, long term. Uh, but, but that... Um, allows Hurley to have more options that he can go do. I think we all agree that Daquan Lake is is a pretty good player, and yeah. it, it's just mm-hmm. they haven't wanted to use Lake and White at the same time a lot because that that in and of itself tends to slow you down offensively, and he's trying to go fast. Um, and so, but but maybe maybe you know against certain types of teams, maybe they do decide to to now. Go to some different looks, and, and at a minimum, though, this does take some pressure off of Romello White, who has had, as you guys said, kind of a rough indoctrination yeah. to conference play, and and you know th- these these opposing coaches, they know Hurley really well, and their their scheme and their style and right. their personnel really well, so that's a, that's another advanced part of the chess game, and at the same time, some of these players are getting their first look. 
their first feel for what it's like playing in Pac-12 road games or even at home and against some of these really good coaches who have them schemed up. And, um, and so it's just a much greater uh, analytical sort of philosophical thing that's now happening in some of these games that um, and, and the Pac-12 is probably better than we had anticipated this year with how Colorado is playing and Stanford and Oregon State is a, is a definitely uh, capable of beating anybody in the league on any given day. Right. Um, so there's a lot going on here. I tell you what, it's 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 pretty exciting year of Pac-12 basketball. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and just to revisit something that Chris said a little bit, uh, talking about the points in the paint differential, obviously been a problem last year, the season before that, and now this season for ASU. And you know, a lot of people may question why they're not going with more Lake and White as two true forwards, or maybe a couple you know undersized centers. It could have to do with sort of ball distribution. ASU's not getting off as many shots uh, as they would like to, as we mentioned before, when they were scoring 90 points a game, which they haven't done since you know against a real opponent since about December 10th uh, against <laughs> Kansas. That was a pretty good team, right? Yeah, I, I would say I would say Kansas is a pretty good team. But uh, you know, looking back at you know. Bobby Hurley is constantly mentioning how underrated of a passer Kamani Lawrence is, and he'll talk about how great, and we can see how good of a passer Mickey Mitchell is. So maybe it's just, you know, a, a move to try to get more distribution and open shots when you take out Lake, Lake and White and put in those other better passers. And guys, ranking after this week, uh, ASU falls from number 11 to number 16. After the week they went, you know, 1-1, one one, obviously, like we just talked about. Lost in a close game in Oregon. Came back from down 13 with over 11 minutes to go against Oregon State for a a win that uh, even Hurley said might have saved their chances at potentially uh, winning the Pac-12 or at least competing down the stretch for that Pac-12. What do you guys think of this ranking? I know, Kalen, uh, you and Chris talk a whole lot about where they actually fit in. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I think, and there was a commenter, I think his name's Ben Hover, like he tweeted at me, this is probably the most accurate rating that they've had, and I agree. Like, I, I think this is, and to be fair, like they definitely deserve to be third in the country when they were because you look at the resume and everything else but I think if you look at the composition of the team where they're at right now in particular this is still a top 25 team I think they hover more around that 20 range and maybe that low teen range so 16 is a fair perspective um I I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to improve on that or hang on to it just because we haven't seen them really break out of this slump and really figure out the Pac-12 it it really comes down to whether or not their offense can get back in gear um and really whether or not Trey Holden can break out of this funky shooting like 25% over mm-hmm. his past like four games. So it's going to be interesting, I think, whether or not, you know, we see that rating fluctuate because the AP voters we've seen have voted for them in the top, I think, as high as 12 this past week. And then this past week we saw someone rate them as low as, what, like 21, 25 or something like that. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how people vote in terms of how this team is composed moving forward. And to your point, Kaylin, it's not to say, you know, this is the most accurate you're rating yet. It's like, oh, this is the lowest they've been. So, you know, let's keep pushing them back. That's more accurate. It, it really is just sort of, you know, exactly what it said. They do feel like 16th to the 20th yeah. best teams yeah, in yeah, the country, yeah. right? So the teams that have, you know, I've thought all season are definitely better than ASU are starting now to go ahead of them. Arizona, Gonzaga, you know, Cincinnati. I think, honestly, Xavier, North Carolina. These teams are flipping them. And then below them in the ratings, there are teams that I think ASU has a good shot uh, at beating, you know, Auburn, Seton Hall, Clemson, Tennessee, those kind of guys. And Chris, you mentioned ASU goes on the road uh, today. They play at Stanford tomorrow night. That's at uh, 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, Stanford's won four in a row. They've beaten USC, UCLA, both Washington teams. 
They've gotten more healthy. Reed Travis is averaging over 20 points a game. Um, it seems like it's not going to be an easy game for the Sun Devils. Maybe against Cal on Saturday night, it should be an easier test against a Cal team that's 7-11, and just 1-4 and in the Pac-12. What are you expecting out of this road trip? Well, Stanford's a veteran team, and right. you sort of thought that they were underachieving quite a bit in, in, in last year and in earlier kind of periods where they would like flash, but then they wouldn't be able to sustain. They tend to be a perimeter-oriented group and not as physical, not as tough on the interior, mm-hmm. tenacious. I think Reed Travis, he's the guy who, who gives them that. He's their presence yeah. that they that they that they have and they really need on the interior and 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 as he goes, I think that team goes. Yeah. Now I like some of their other players. They have two Arizona seniors, mm-hmm. um, former Arizona high school players. Dorian Pickens has had a really good career yeah. as a wing. He's continued to get more athletic. He's and, averaging over thirteen a game for them. And, yeah, improve his body. He's four, fourteen and and four. Really is uh, one of the better three-point shooters in the league by percentage, even though he hasn't really been a high-volume shooter this year. Um, Michael Humphrey is the other. He's kind of a, a pretty reliable double-double guy when he gets the minutes to do it, not especially skilled facing the basket, but he can score with both hands and put backs and stuff like that. They have a freshman that I think is going to be a really good player, Kezi Okpala. He's a kid that I've watched quite a bit uh, in AAU basketball, um, just kind of over the years and seeing him blossom. And it looked like he, uh, for a while there, wasn't going to get a Pac-12 offer, and then it kind of developed, developed late for them. Um, so um, it's going to be a it's going to be a really competitive game. I think ASU matches up pretty well against this team because mm-hmm. ASU has good athleticism on the perimeter and quickness. And I don't know that Stanford's really. Uh, built to defend at a high level uh, in that in that way, um, so I, I think ASU will probably win. And of course, it's it's better to have Stanford at the front end because right. you have more time to prepare mm-hmm. for the harder opponent uh, versus Cal, which is really in a funk right now and, and and not playing well at all. If they get over the hump uh, with a win against Stanford, um, they can get into winning territory in the Pac-12 against Cal. I think pretty easily. Yeah, and, I think like. Chris mentioned if if ASU still wants to have any hopes of a regular season conference title, which I'm sure it still does, um, it this is the weekend you really start to make that sort of run. Uh, Stanford's yeah. going at the top of the conference; mm-hmm. it's a chance to sort of make up some ground, and then Cal on the back end is yeah. a team that you really need to sort of you you beat Stanford to build off that Oregon State confidence, and then you hope to really put on a show against Cal to really use that as a launching pad for the rest of the conference season. Say, all right, they here was their slump. They overcame that, mm-hmm. and then they move on from there. And, and to what you mentioned before, uh, just now, Fabian, obviously Arizona and ASU play the same conference schedule down the stretch. So with these two you know, easier, quote, matchups, it's very important that they make up ground because they lost that one matchup, uh, obviously, to Oregon, which Arizona took care of both Oregon schools. So going on the road and facing these easier opponents, it's crucial. Must, I mean, like, you to crawl back into the race. So Yeah, and, and one last thing I want to ask you guys about before we before we do a little bit of recruiting is um, Trey, Trey Holder has really been in a funk. Um, he shot 413 against Oregon, 1 of 9 against Oregon State. Do you guys think this is the road trip that he can kind of look to to say, I'm back, I, I need to get back into my shooting uh, rhythm? I think he just, something I've noticed since the Utah game is it obviously got highlighted in the Oregon State game because he actually missed time because of it. He just doesn't look healthy. I think part of it's 
maybe the constant banging down low and he's not getting the calls he's been getting, so that's also the reason why his scoring's been down. But he, he just doesn't look like the same player he was at the beginning of the season. He's still a very productive player, and he still obviously had a great game against Colorado, great game against U of A, and maybe just needs some rest, some recovery to try to get closer to 100%, and that's all he needs. But he just hasn't looked that healthy uh, during the league's last few games. I think that's been the biggest thing. Uh, as far as his production. Yeah, and he, is, he hasn't been, or he probably has in the last couple games, he's not been getting to the line with the same frequency. That's right. the biggest thing. Like Fabian just mentioned, he's not getting calls at the same rate. Um, I don't know whether or not that's, you know, affected his confidence. I'm, tr- I'm going through the game in my head right now, whether or not I thought he was still being aggressive. Maybe he was forcing things a little bit. But, again, like he's definitely missing the fact that ASU is not able to push the ball in tempo. And, or excuse me, not in terms of in transition moving forward. That's significantly hurt him. And then pick and roll offense hasn't been there at all either. I don't think that he's seriously hurt. Um, you know, he's not wearing any visible signs that you would probably have. And then right. the play where he lost the ball, after, he, he actually intentionally extended his arm, you know, to ward off a defender on that play. Mm-hmm. Which you're probably not doing if you have some bad injury. Like you're already being really cautious about that, uh, subconsciously or otherwise. So mm-hmm. now, now maybe he had a minor thing and then he, you know, exacerbated that in that on that play. I think that's very possible. Uh, and I know that some players or a lot of players, whenever you do have even something that's minor, that can then affect you and stay with you mentally and take you out of your game to some degree. So so. You know how much is a function of that? It's hard to say, and that's something that you just have to kind of monitor and get additional clues from, or things that are said by coaches or whomever after. And in terms of the sort of you know injury that Fabian mentioned, I guess I, I sort of agree with Chris in the fact that it could have been exacerbated that certain moment in injury. It seemed like he just sort of went to the bench, and you know took a quick break, maybe, you know, gathered himself and went back on. I'm not going to speculate whether or not he was actually very hurt. But in terms of a get-right game, I think that definitely this Cal game, Cal, after yep. Stanford, I mean, Cal, yeah. both teams rank in the bottom half of the Pac-12 in scoring defense, field goal defense, three-point field goal defense. You know, Stanford not as much as Cal, because Cal is just about terrible in every metric defensively. But, uh, you know, I think if Trey Holder does not go out and have big games against at least Cal and a decent game against Stanford, then I think the concerns will really start to mount. Yeah. And guys, just a little bit on recruiting before we before we finish up this podcast. Um, uh, Tayshon Cherry, five-star recruit, um, number 25 in the nation, um, according to scout.com, um, officially visited ASU last week. He was at the Oregon game. He was at the Oregon State game. ASU had an in-home visit with him on Monday. Uh, Chris, where does the recruitment stand with that? Um, it stands uh, <laughs> at any point in time here, there could be a commitment coming for ASU. From Tayshawn Cherry, uh, our sources are, have told us that he's on the verge of making a decision potentially, and ASU is, is would be the, the choice if he does make a decision this week. By the time people are listening to this podcast, it's it's very possible that he will have already committed, <laughs> which will be a little bit kind of weird <laughs> or, or awkward. Um, but yeah, as as uh, 2:43 p.m. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday, on, afternoon, on Tuesday afternoon, January 16th. He, he committed uh, by 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., that may be different. So, uh, look, um, I do anticipate this is going to happen. 
Probably, most likely. Uh, you never know in recruiting because mm-hmm. it's a he. This guy was already Tayshawn Cherry was already committed to USC and uh, decommitted a few right. weeks ago. And and sometimes after you uh, have an official visit and then an in-home visit, you know some of the emotion of that wears mm-hmm. off a little bit, and you and you have a, a change of heart, which is a, a, always a possibility. But um, what's important here, Rob, is the recruiting of Bobby Hurley is in a different stratosphere to anything that's ever happened in ASU basketball history. Uh, Cherry would be the third top 75 recruit committed or signed to ASU in this class, along with Lugens Dort and Elias Valtanen. Um, There's only five programs nationally who have three top 75 recruits currently committed or signed. That would be... And the team team also gets Rob Edwards and and Zylan Cheatham back next year, too. Yeah, thanks. Um, so that would be Duke, <laughs> Oregon, Kentucky, Kansas, and North Carolina are the other three <laughs> who have top 75 uh, uh, recruits that are already in the fold. Um, and ASU would have that uh, if, indeed, it earns this commitment soon from Tayshawn Cherry. Also, ASU's never had two top 50 signees in any class um, and uh, that would happen if Tayshawn Cherry falls through and signs with ASU, uh, because Dort is a is a uh, also a top fifty prospect. So, and then ASU has a uh, four star or better prospects committed in 2019, uh, 2020, and 2021. The only school in the country to have that. And then, as you said there, Rob, in your very interesting segue that you made, uh, <laughs> ASU does have some pretty good players who are sitting out the year after transferring in Zion Cheatham from San Diego State and Rob Edwards from Cleveland State. So they're, I know where you're going with that. They're going to ha- be really talented next year and beyond, absolutely. And like you've written on SunDevilSports.com, you guys can read some of Chris's work there um, about the recruiting specifically. Um, if Tayshawn Cherry does, in fact, commit, um, this would be ASU's highest recruiting class ever. Just to be in the conversation with those schools that you mentioned, Chris, I feel like for ASU, that's something that you know fans dream about. Um, yeah, they literally dream about that. <laughs> I'm telling no, no, without any exaggeration, the amount of outreach that I've had from especially older fans who have been, you know, following ASU basketball for, for many decades. Um, they're just, they're, they are almost unable to contain their excitement over kind of what's happening in <laughs> ASU basketball. And, and the, you know, the, the tearing down the wall, mm-hmm. you know, tear down this wall, Bobby <laughs> Hurley. Um, that's, you know, an example of just kind of what the excitement level is like. You, you touched on um, just the, the crowd attendance and yeah. over 13,000 in the last two games. Max's article. It, it's, <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think, I think one of our staffers, Maxwell Madden, wrote about that. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, so you may want to just Google Maxwell Madden. It's 1L, by the way. I don't, I don't, <laughs> very, very bad, st- uh, bad spelling. I don't know why it's 1L, but we'll have to, Just to be a problem is why it's 1L. We'll, um, we'll have a conversation with that with your folks at some some way. <laughs> We're going to invite them on to the podcast and talk about that. Uh, you know, they'll probably just uh, blame each other. I've heard both sides of it. I, I'm actually not sure who the real nobody wants is. to take responsibility. Nobody for wants that, to take responsibility for the one L. Okay. But anyway, that Twitter is at uh, Maxwell Madden is what what you were mentioning, Chris. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> one L. I'm jealous. Yeah, um, we have a new guy, Max Madden. 
Oh, you guys didn't, couldn't tell from this podcast. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. For more Sun Devil Source basketball content, keep it locked on sundevilsource.com. For Kalen Jones, Maxwell Madden, Fabian Ardaya, and site publisher Chris Cartman, I'm Rob Warner saying so long, and thank you for tuning in.